Good day, thinkers, thought leaders, progressives, and dreamers. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and so I wanted to take this opportunity to not just talk about breast cancer, but also talk about prostate cancer. Many years ago, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Not only my father, but my, my paternal grandfather was, was also diagnosed with prostate cancer. A matter of years apart, first my grandfather, and then several years later, my father was. So at that time, I made the decision to stop eating red meat. Now that was many years ago um, when they were diagnosed. In fact, I was an undergrad. And so I made the decision to stop eating red meat because I learned that red meat was a contributing factor or leading factor in prostate cancer. And so recently, in fact, a few weeks ago, a good friend of mine was diagnosed with, with prostate cancer and um, he shared shared that with me and um, my heart went out to him and I shared with him the story of my father and my grandfather and I wanted to talk to him about his experience and so here's that that conversation this is very personal work for me politics, politics. I believe I was called to Sex. tell my story use my voice be a Gay. voice for Gay. the community to speak to and for a community of people that's been ignored, denied, love, love, relationships, relationships, religion. This is my life's work. Religion, religion. I want to use words to uplift, Every heal, inspire, encourage. Do something different. Something different. Every Monday at ten. A Good day, thinkers, thought leaders, progressives, and dreamers. I'm Craig the Writer Stewart, and this is so much to say. These are my thoughts in my voice on black shit, white shit, gay shit, and everything in between. As you heard me say in the beginning, in the intro, that I wanted to talk to my friend about his experience with prostate cancer and where he is with it. But I wanted to know everything, how he found out, when he found out, what were his thoughts and what were his feelings. So first, I want to know, how are you feeling today? Today, I am feeling, strength-wise, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm gaining my strength. I'm, so I'm, I'm definitely feeling, this is probably one of my best days so far. Okay. But um, other than that, but I still have some symptoms that I'm dealing with, complications, you know. And so, tell me, how long ago was it that you actually had the surgery? How many How many weeks ago has it been? Um, the 16th of the month of August. So I guess we're working on three weeks. Right. So tomorrow, three weeks. tomorrow, tomorrow will make three weeks. Okay. How did you find out? How did I find out? Um, it's very interesting how I found out because I was actually last year, um, which was 2018. I was actually uninsured, but I was going to go to I was going to a health fitness program, which was dealing with some weight weight loss. Okay. Because I wanted to, you know, get back healthy and in shape, and maybe I was trying to lose about 10, 15 pounds. And doing that process I had to take blood work which I had to pay for blood work out of pocket because I was uninsured like I'm saying at that time this was back in November of 2018 
And I took the blood work, and the nurse practitioner, when my labs came back, it probably took a few days, she was very concerned about one of my labs, which was the PSR number, which I, at that time, I knew nothing about what that even was. And what's a PSR number? Um, it's the prostate, uh, um, I can't even, I don't even know exactly what it means, but it, it's dealing with your prostate. Okay, it's, it's a reading. It's for your prostate. Okay, it's a reading for your prostate. Yeah, so it's a screening for that, which like I said, at the time I didn't even know about it because so I didn't, it wasn't like I asked for it. That was part of her panel that she had to do. Okay. So when she checked it, it didn't come back like it was cancer or anything. It came back that it was high and I needed to have, you know, check it out even further. I needed to find out why the number was so high. Okay. And so what happened after that? Um, like I said, that was in November and I actually kind of, um, I wasn't feeling sick or anything like that. So I kind of put it on, well, not really put it on the back burner, but like I said, I was uninsured and I knew that I was not going to have insurance until that January. Okay. And so it wasn't really a priority to kind of figure out what, you know, what it was. Not really, but it did kind of shake me up and scare me because she was so, the nurse practitioner, she was so really, um, she was scared. Yeah. Yeah, she was scared for me, kind of, because she was like, you got to go check this out. You can't wait, and you need to really go check this out and see what this is. Did she even hint to cancer at all, or she just said? No, well, what she said was that, yeah, she did hint to cancer because she said to me, she said, you know, sometimes these numbers are at a 10 and, I mean, these numbers, cancer numbers are around a 10, she said, but your number comes out to be 14. And she, so she kind of broke down some numbers to me. And like I said, at the time, I was uneducated about this whole screening. Okay. So I didn't even know what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so and so kinda, your insurance kicked in in January. Did you wait until January to go? I waited until actually March because I had a very high deductible. So I waited until January. I had two months to pay my deductible so I did not get to the doctor until March so it was November that you met with the nurse practitioner and she said get to a test to see what's going on ASAP and then you waited until March because of the um, deductible first you were waiting for the insurance to kick in and then it was the deductible so then you went in for the follow up and what 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 was that what did that require was that more blood work Yes, that was more blood work, and then that was going to a PCP, a primary care provider. Mm-hmm. That was my first stop, and from my primary care provider, after taking blood work and me- and medication, because he did give me some medication. Okay. So after that medication, I think I was on that medication maybe two weeks. That didn't change my labs. Okay. So then he sent me to a urologist. And then, so how far after was the appointment with the urologist? So we're in March. So was the urologist appointment still in March or are we now in April? We're now in April. Okay. When I had the appointment in with the urologist, it may have taken another month or so. So we're actually at the end of April. Okay. So we're five months in, almost at six. Correct. And so then what happened? 
So then the urologist, of course, having all the blood work and all the labs, and um, he had suggested that I come back and get a, um, what you call it, a, uh, I can't even think my brain is so cluttered with stuff. He had me come back to take the, what is it called when they pinch, when they take a piece of something? Uh, oh, yes, when they did a biopsy or something? See, biopsy, I don't know why that escaped me. <laughs> but yeah, biopsy, I couldn't even remember it, that's crazy. But anyway, I had to re- I had to schedule for that biopsy. Okay. So maybe, I think, two weeks had went by, I went back to do the biopsy, and then, of course, I had to wait two additional weeks, and now that puts us into another month for the results of the biopsy. So the biopsy was, they, they, they took a piece of what? A piece of the prostate. Of your prostate, okay. Yes, yes, of the prostate. So what they do is they take that machine and they go up in your, you know, your rectum and uh-huh. they take, I think it was 12 pieces of your prostate. Now, was this painful? Um, it was very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. I, it wasn't a lot of pain, but it was very uncomfortable. So was it was it outpatient, like the, the biopsy part? Were, were you like in and out of the hospital it, the same day? In and out, yeah, it was outpatient. You just get it done and okay. you leave. And um, of course, you, you know, you have some, you have some discharge of, of blood in your stool, in mm-hmm. your urine, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and anything that comes out of your body, you have discharge of blood from that biopsy. Right. And so at this point, what are you feeling and thinking? Like, are you nervous at this point? Are you panicking? Um, honestly, I, I, I kind of um, had prepared myself, I guess, from what the nurse practitioner had told me. And that's why I was so adamant about making sure I had the insurance and making sure I, even though it seemed like a long time, but I was making sure that I went, I, I didn't sweep it under the carpet. Right. So honestly speaking, I was not, really I was expecting that news for some reason and I had even shared with some family members and my mom and you know that that was probably what the the issue was but everybody was like no I don't think so I doubt it it's probably not that bad Uh but I felt like for whatever reason I felt like it was right there was just an inner knowing so at what point did you share with me and our mutual friend, because I know you had told our mutual friend before you told us, to, before you told me. But at what point did you share with him? Did you feel comfortable to share with him? I pretty much shared with him like right away. Like it wasn't long at all, and it's because I guess the mutual friend that you're talking about. Because we, I had, you know, I, I see him two and three times out the week or right. twice out the week, so I would see him so much, and so I didn't. I never once not. I never once was fearful about sharing it with anybody, I don't think. Uh-huh. And so you went back for the biopsy results, and they finally told you that it was, in fact, prostate cancer. Yes. I went back to his office, and I think it was the 24th of March, April, May. When I went back to his office, I remember the date, and that is when he he told me. And what were you thinking at that point? Once you finally knew, because I mean, it's one thing to feel it and kind of suspect it, but once you have that information and there's no way that you can try to psych yourself out or try to pretend that it's not the truth, you know, how were you feeling then? 
Well, honestly, I was uh, I was starting to get nervous because it seemed like everybody who shared the news with me, the nurse practitioners, the urologists, they were so kind of delivering the news like it was a eulogy. They were kind of sad the way they delivered the news, so it kind of made me kind of sad. So what, did they give you any kind of a prognosis? Um, um, like actually, what, whether or not... Well, actually, no. I did get it later, but not from the urologist. No, I did not get a prognosis. Huh? He get, well, what he did, let me tell you what he did. He gave me a paper, and it had a picture of the prostate, and it had numbers and, and blood screenings on it and, and all kind of stuff that I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. I still couldn't figure that out. It was a lot of medical terminology. Yes. And so that's what he gave me. So I didn't know what I was looking at. So were you starting to question whether or not you would be able to survive it or beat it or? Um, you know what? I was I I didn't think. What, what was difficult for me is I did not the the treatment that I didn't think I. It was the treatment that I was going to receive. I, I didn't know if I wanted to, like, be defensive against the treatment. Like, I, because I, I really didn't want to. I didn't want certain treatments that they were offering me. I didn't want it. And you didn't because you didn't know whether or not they were going to be effective, or because you know the effects of the treatment, or both. Both, and I had heard some of the. By, that, by then, I had been reading bits and pieces of some of the side effects with treatment. Mm-hmm. Which are? Um, incontinence with, you know, um, loss, loss of um, urine, you know, urination constantly. Mm-hmm. Loss of control of urine, I, I should say. Yes. Of your bladder. Um, it, affect, it even affects your bowel movements. Mm-hmm. It affects your um, ability to... Your sex drive. And what treatments in particular have these side effects? Both um, the, the the surgery and okay. also the um, the chemo, the radiology, radiology. radiology. Okay. Yeah, the radiology. Yeah, because when you when you did share with me, I believe we were at a we were at a restaurant, right? Yes. And when you when you shared it with me. You just, I mean, it didn't feel like bad news. And I and I guess it was because by then you had dealt with it. You had kind of come to terms with what you needed to do at that point. Um, but then also I think part of it is your personality. Like you just, like you've never really shared anything with me that personal. I could be very flat with my personality. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like you, you just... Yeah, you kind of had like this half smile on your face and you were like, well, Craig, I just wanted to kind of tell you that, you know, I just found out that I I have prostate cancer. Like you said it so matter of fact, it was just so like you said it as if like you were switching jobs and you you were about to go to a new job or something. And and because you, you know, you were so light about it, I didn't want to seem, you know, concerned or worried or upset. So I just basically shared with you in that moment about my father and my grandfather. Right. Because they both had the same, um, they went through the same process. You know, they both were diagnosed with prostate cancer. I don't know what their um, their numbers were. I don't know what range they were in at the time. 
Um, but, you know, it happened when I was in college. So that was years ago. It was My father was in 1995. So that was many years ago. And then my grandfather, his happened like two or three, four years maybe before my father. So I was on guard at that point. And I remember thinking, you know, I don't want that to be my trajectory. Correct. And so I started thinking then and I started looking up stuff back then, you know, in terms of like leading causes. And I started reading, you know, information about red meat and that kind of thing, diet and you know, and so this month, actually, September, it makes two months that I stopped. I mean, two years makes two years that I stopped eating meat. But initially I had stopped eating red meat. And so it's it's been two years since I've had meat. And I, I took those steps because of things like cancer and other health risk and health concerns, even though that's not the only way that you can, you know, come in right. contact with cancer, because it's also from chemical things. Uh, chemicals in the air, products that we use. So I've kind of shifted even in the shower gels that I use, the kinds of shower gels I use, the deodorants. You know, I use all vegan type things like that now. But I wanted to share with you my father's experience to at least give you some hope. Um, and then, you know, the days, the days and weeks that followed that, you reached out and asked me to ask my father certain things. And you had even asked me, you know, which treatment he he opted for so that you could kind of have some direction in terms of which way you should go, which route you should take. Correct. But, you know, he has shared with me that, you know, again, his was so many years ago that treatments and, 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 and procedures have changed. You know, I mean, it's been like yeah. over 20 years. Yeah. And so he was he was very confident that you would be OK. He said, just, you know, just talk to your doctor and just think about what's best for you but then I remember just a few days ago you were asking me um, if he had leakage or drainage and I guess you were referring to like the, the urine not being able to control your urine because again your prostate gland does control or is connected to uh, your erections uh, your, right your, the your, nerve damage yes it's the nerve damage that, that yeah. happens from the cancer and or the, the surgery correct so, have you been experiencing a lot of, like, the drainage that you were talking to me about or incontinence? Incontinence every, daily, actually, daily, and I'm not even back to work yet. It's been, like I said, this is going on week three, uh -huh. and um, I, I believe it's getting a little better. Uh, I really believe it's getting better. However, however, it's very... It's a very annoying. <laughs> I'm sure. And I have to kind of change my whole lifestyle in terms of, you know, just making sure that I'm clean and I have extra clothes and right. depends and I'm doing all these extra things to make sure that I'm, you know, appropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, like, how much downtime, like, from the time of the surgery, were you able to, like, get up and move around? Like, was it a few days, a week? Well, actually, after the surgery... The surgery happened on a Friday, and I had to go a whole eight days or so. To, I wore a, uh, um, a, I had a, a catheter, catheter. Uh -huh. um, right, and that was totally. I, I was incapable of really doing much of anything with that. I had to move slow, walk slow, because that was kind of like then. Then that was for me. That was very uh, painful, uncomfortable experience for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, because I didn't like that whole... I, I had trouble way before surgery when I found out that that was something that was I was, I was going to have to do. Uh-huh. In my mind, I had trouble adjusting to that. 
So did your did your appetite change? Were you were you still able to eat, or did your did your appetite kind of wane? Were you on a special uh, diet? Change. Yeah, no, I wasn't. Well, I was on a special. I had to have soft foods, foods easy to digest, and um, and that you know, and of course, even now, and I don't have a. I haven't gotten back to a full regular diet. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just really um, trying, just eating things that are easy to digest and easy to chew, actually. Mm-hmm. And how old are you now? Fifty as of this year, I turned fifty. Okay. And so, is there is there a time frame that they suggest that men are tested for prostate? Because is it, is it like forty two or forty? Well, I think I believe it's the as the because. I believe it is earlier now. At one time, they would say 50, but now I think it has dropped down to as early as the early 40s. Okay. Yeah, I really believe that, yeah. And so have you had help, like, navigating, like, getting around at home, someone to help you prepare your meals and and that kind of thing? Mm, I have. I had a lot of family support. And um, so I had a lot of family come over and make sure I had the things that I needed, especially that first week, like I said, because the first week, of, of course, obviously was the most difficult week because my incisions were even very sore that first week. So mm-hmm. um, the first week was difficult. Okay. And so have you thought about, like, your diet moving forward? Or, like, are there things or steps that you're going to take moving forward as you continue to recover? Or, like, are there any lifestyle changes, I guess my question is? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because I really want to, first of all, I want to have a 100 plus recovery. Mm -hmm. And I know in order for for me to have that type of recovery, I'm going to need to really do things and incorporate things in my diet as far as exercise, things that I've been slack on over the last few years. Mm -hmm. But I remember there was a time that change up some things in my diet and, and in terms of you know, look, moving forward, because again, I don't, you know, that was just the prostate, but I don't want to have a repeat of a different area where I'm experiencing having any type of cancer or any any other ailment. I, I really want to be preventative. Right. You know, I want to do the best that I can and focus on whole health. And what does that look like in terms of your diet? Like, what do you think that means? Um... What kind of changes do you think you would make? Lessening the, the, the intake of, of meat, mm-hmm. processed, processed foods, mm-hmm. sugar, mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, unhealthy carbs, mm-hmm. you know, it, and kind of the list goes on. It's a lot of things that I can do to make adjustments. Because mm-hmm. once upon a time, I mean, we were in a rhythm. You know, and, and we used to work out together, you know what I'm saying? But life has changed, you know what I'm saying? We're we're in completely different parts of town now. And, you know, your work has taken you in one direction. Mine has taken me in a different direction. But, you know, maybe if you can get yourself a support system again, like a workout partner or a trainer or something like that to really get you back into the rhythm of working out. Because I know recently I had to get myself a trainer because, you know, I... I've been working out since I was in my early 20s, but I can tell that as I've gotten older and my life has become busier, that I'm not, I wasn't as consistent by myself as I was before. 
and I wasn't pushing myself to the level that I really could have. And so, you know, and, and there was a time that I used to wonder, like, why do people pay for personal trainers? Like, that's the dumbest thing. Like, you couldn't just do that yourself. But, but now I see the need for it. I really do see the need for it. And so I've been working out with a trainer now for some time. And so I've definitely seen the benefit. I see the benefit of it. And um, it's definitely been working. So, you know, I think that once you get into a rhythm, because it can feel really overwhelming. It could feel, it could really start to feel overwhelming. You know, especially trying to recover and thinking about what you need to do to really get back on track. Correct. Yes, I agree with you. But... One of the reasons, and you should get that juicer tomorrow. I, I sent you that juicer, is because one of the things that I've been doing is is juicing celery. And somebody has sent me a book. It's called the Celery Juice Book. And there are so many things that celery juice is really good for. And you told me that book last month, and I purchased. I purchased that book. You did get it, okay? I did get it, yeah, because you shared it with me about a month ago. Yes, and so if you really look at the back of that book, it really works on preventing cancer, dementia, sinusitis, uh, Alzheimer's, acid reflux, anything that you can think of. Celery juice is really good for it, but you just have to do it the right way. Right, you got to be consistent with it. Now, you can buy celery juice. I don't know how expensive it is or not. I don't purchase the, the, you know, in in a bottle. I literally purchase celery, and I bought, like, a a small Black & Decker juicer, and I clean it. In fact, I I started back today. You know, when I first did it, I did it for 30 days. But as I was reading the book, it says in the book that it takes seven days for celery juice to start to remove toxins from your body. So when I first got the book, which was in the middle of the summer, I, I did the celery juice for, for 30 days. And so what I do is I pull all of the leaves off. I cut the bottom of the, the celery off, the butt, I call it. And then I even cut the tips of the celery off because, you know, they usually like burnt looking or whatever. So I cut the tip off and I cut the bottom off. And then I pull all of the leaves off and I use fruit and veggie wash. I use my fruit and veggie wash on all of my produce now in fruit. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. because it's supposed to pull some of the pesticides off, which, of course, those pesticides are chemicals that can cause and lead, can- lead to cancers as well. So I okay. spray it with my celery juice. I mean, my um, fruit, and cel- fruit, and, fruit and veggie wash is what I'm trying to say. And then I rinse it off really good because celery can be dirty, too. I rinse off all of that dirt. And then I take each stalk and I put it in the juice. So you, you have to blend or juice the entire stalk, the whole bunch. Okay. And it makes about a 16-ounce cup. And you drink that first thing in the morning. That's the okay. first thing that should hit your belly. And you need to wait at least 30 minutes before you consume anything else. And that includes water. So you let it set on your stomach. You drink it. And you need to drink it down right away. You can't juice it the night before and then drink it tomorrow. You got to juice it that morning and drink it that morning. You need to really drink it within about 10 minutes. Otherwise, the nutrients evaporate. So you drink the juice. And I'm going to tell you what I've noticed. I've noticed that my joints have become a lot more limber. And like when I work out, I'm not as stiff as as I was before. And like when I wake up in the morning, I'm not stiff. Like I used to be kind of stiff and felt like I needed to kind of crack my body. Not just okay. my back. I would kind of need to stretch a little bit because my back, my body would be tight and, and felt like it was locked up. But that celery juice, it really has made the difference. And so 
I'm not doing it for 30 days now, but what I do now is I do it for seven days on and then, you know, each month. So each month I take seven days where I do the juice. And then, you know, and, but I still eat a plant-based diet. Okay, okay. So definitely try. So that's why I sent you the, the juicer. Um, like I said, it should arrive tomorrow because I really want you to start doing it. And, um, and, and yeah, and just and just do it because I really do think that it will clear out your system and um, it'll start to remove those toxins. Because, again, it's not even going to just be the thing that's going to help work on that cancer. Like I said, there there's a list of things that celery juice, if you even Google celery juice benefits, you'll see all of the things that it's really good for. I mean, brain okay. fog. Like, I mean, I seem I feel a lot more sharp. I feel a lot sharper in terms of thinking and remembering things like I just really feel clear okay so and just give it a try I certainly will and I appreciate you doing that for me yes and I'm going to make it my business to get there to see you as soon as possible like I said we're about 40 okay. minutes apart from each other now um, yes. but I'm definitely going to make it my business to get there to see you um, and, I, and I appreciate you sharing your story with me not just on this podcast but just opening up and, and sharing it with me that day in the restaurant. So I appreciate it. And I just want you to know that you do have my support. And that's why I kept sending you text messages here and there. Like, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, how you feeling? You know, because I didn't want you to feel like you were going through this whole thing alone. Okay. And it was helpful. And I appreciate you sharing about your father and grandfather because those stories, although I don't know them, but I that was the first you know I didn't I didn't even know anybody that had experienced it right. and when you talk about your father and your grandfather and then there were other people that um, that I was in contact with that told me about their family members all of that was very supportive mm-hmm. to me that helped me out a lot yeah and they made a 100% recovery too you know so once they had the surgery they both recovered and like I said that was over two decades ago so I mean medicine has advanced far beyond that time so I believe that you'll be fine I just think that what you need to do at this point is just go ahead and take your life back in control get back in control of your life and your health and and I think you'll be fine I really do okay I appreciate it alright well thank you for, for podcasting with me okay and thank you if this is your first time listening to so much to say please hit the subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends your family your network you never know who may need this information right be sure to visit www.craigthewriterstuart for merchandise for so much to say podcast merchandise at the top of the site you'll see the button that says shop hit shop and then scroll down and hit shop merchandise and everything the entire store will open up to you follow us on instagram at so much to say podcast it's all one word just run it together all right be safe keep loving yourself SayItInACard.com is an online greeting card company that delivers right to your front door. Visit our website, www.SayItInACard.com. You can read the cards, order the cards, and we ship them directly to you. If you feel it, we say it in a card. We have breakup cards, troubled relationship cards, troubled friendship cards, and of course, all of the traditional cards as well, from birthday to Mother's Day. So again, visit us at www.SayItInACard.com. Free shipping for a limited time. One of the best parts of life is when you can admit the truth to yourself about yourself. Cyberspace is a world where one can become something he isn't, but everything he dares to be. I wasn't interested in getting attached to anyone, and I knew I wouldn't take anyone I met online seriously. 
I had multiple screen names to increase my chances of meeting someone attractive. The majority of the profiles noted HIV negative under status, but I knew better from the work I had done in the HIV community. I knew one out of three black gay men was positive. The messages I found in my inbox validated me in my depression. In some strange way, they reinforced that I was worthy and deserving. My days consisted of waking up and logging on to see how many messages had accrued overnight. Months passed before I got honest with my therapist about what was happening with me. And before I knew it, I heard myself say, I've been having sex with people I meet online. To listen to more of Words Never Spoken in Memoir, visit audible.com. I was involved briefly with a married man who believed he had the courage to leave his wife to be with me and to live his truth. This isn't the typical story of a married man promising to leave his wife for a secret lover. Rather, this is a story in part about a gay man who knew he was gay before he got married, but chose to marry a woman because he didn't know how to break free. Rocky and I met on a gay social media site three months after I returned to the East Coast to live and just 11 months after he was married. At the time we met, he was living and working in Dubai as a contractor for the government on a military base while his wife was stationed in Tallahassee, Florida, where they had a home. In one of the first messages he sent me, Rocky shared that he was married, but that he had regrets. He explained that he had come out to his mother and siblings when he was 18 years old. He said that to listen to more of One Thing for Certain, Two Things for Sure, a memoir continued, visit audible.com.